Welcome to Love Bites. Love Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara, your destination for sexual wellness and mindful relationship advice. Hope you're having an orgasmic day. Penises come in all different shapes and sizes, and so should condoms. Whether you want an extra large or extra snug, My One Condoms have 52 different sizes for you to choose from. Trust me, one of them will fit you perfectly. Head over to MyOneCondoms.com, that's MyOneCondoms.com, and measure your dick with their fit kit online. Be the one and choose My One. 67 million households have seen the show Sex Life on Netflix that chronicles a bored sexless housewife with her perfect husband and her constant fantasy about her steamy, very sexual, what she thought was a soulmate ex-boyfriend that left a lot of us thinking, are we settling and is there more? Hello, my loves. It's Dr. Tara. Welcome to Love Bites, the podcast for sexual wellness and sexploration. Today with us is Dr. Emily Jamia, PhD, LPC, LMFT. This is the perfect person to talk about this. She's a sex and relationship therapist based in Houston, Texas. With over 15 years of experience, she has helped thousands of people create connection and cultivate passion. When she's not seeing clients, Emily conducts academic research in the area of optimal sexual experiences. She's been featured in Oprah, CNN, USA Today, the BBC, NBC, CBS, Men's Fitness, Women's Health, the list goes on and on. <laughs> She's also the host of the popular podcast, Love and Libido, and writes columns for Healthy Women and Psychology Today. Hi, Emily. Hi, Dr. Tara. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. I am out of breath from that very long <laughs> bio. <laughs> I stumbled across this article you wrote for Psychology Today called My Perspective as a Sex Therapist on Netflix's Sex Life. I just went to the premiere of Sex Life Season 2 at Netflix headquarters last week, and the show is coming out March 2nd. So I thought, what a perfect time to chop it up and analyze this show together. Such good stuff. I cannot wait to get into it. Yes, my Love Bites fam, if you've never seen this show, I'm going to give you a synopsis. Feel free to listen to that or just skip it if you've seen the show. Here we go. Sex Life is the story of a suburban mother and housewife who took a fantasy-charged trip down memory lane about her wild past. Billy who is the main woman in the show, is married to the loving and reliable Cooper, who works in finance in New York City, and they had just moved to the suburb. Frustrated by the lack of passion in her marriage, Billy begins obsessing about her erotic past with her steamy ex-boyfriend Brad, and the big heartbreak that she never really got over. But the more Billy remembers her life before Cooper, the more she wonders how she got here. Her husband finds her journal where she chronicles all the amazing sex she had with Brad. Will the truth about Billy's past start a sexual revolution in her marriage or lead her down a path back to the life she thought she left behind? So, Emily, are you team Cooper or team Brad? Oh my gosh, that is such an impossible question to answer. At the end of the day, I can't condone 
spoiler alert, cheating. I can understand why Billy has feelings for both men and how those old feelings for Brad maybe came up against the backdrop of the stalemate that she's in in her life with Cooper. Feelings are complicated. Sex is complicated. And it's not uncommon for women to fantasize about what could be with someone else when they're feeling kind of stuck or lonely in their own marriage. What inspired you to write the article on psychology today? I loved a lot of things about this series. I loved that it explored some feelings that are so common for women, in particular mothers, that we do not see or hear about in popular media like ever. Mm -hmm. I loved that she was nursing the whole show and she's like trying to get ready for a date with her husband and she's got the breast pump on. I love that depicts women's sexual frustration. I think a lot of times people think it's always the male partner and heterosexual couples that's feeling sexually frustrated. But as it relates to the clientele that sex therapists see, it's more like a 60-40 split in terms of who's presenting with some kind of sexual frustration. So it's, I think it's a lot closer than people realize. And women can feel just as sexually frustrated as men can. I just love that this show explored some of the nuances of that as it relates to women in particular. I'm like raising my hand right now. Like I was married before when I was younger and I was very sexually frustrated. I married someone that was not compatible with me. It just took me time to learn and grow and realize that wasn't the right relationship. And so when I was watching this show, I was like, I'm Billy. I wanted something different that I didn't realize at the time. To kind of go back to what you said about breastfeeding, I absolutely love that any chance they could, they add in the breastfeeding part. I know, it's just, they just normalized it. I mean, God, I've got two kids and I've been there a million times. I was like, finally, someone yeah. is talking about this. She was in like little mini black dress. Oh, she yeah. Was feeling herself, feeling confident, getting yep. ready to go out and was also breastfeeding. So I love that it shows this other part too. Because totally. whenever I see women breastfeeding in TV shows or movies, it's a tired woman. It's fine and it's reality for a lot of people, but it's not the only version. Totally. And I mean, for most women, life goes on. And you know, the other thing I love about this show is it's so much more than an exploration of sex. It's really about the identity shift that mm -hmm. so many women struggle with. Here she was chasing her career, getting articles published at Columbia University, probably going to be a professor, living the single independent life. And then she finds herself kind of in suburbia with two kids, mm -hmm. staying at home and feeling tied down. And mm -hmm. I I think that for a lot of people, when we explore our sexuality, it's about an exploration of identity. And I think that's what the show is really about at its core. My first question, Team Brad or Team Cooper, to me, that represents, can we have passion and stability? Or do we have to choose one or the other? Are you choosing that passionate, that YOLO life? Or are you choosing stability and um, sex is less satisfying but you know there's a lot of like love and stability in the relationship are we choosing do we have to choose I don't believe we have to choose. I am a big believer that you can find it all in one person and that you can work together as a couple to get all of it in one relationship. Now, there are different ways I think that couples go about that. 
you know, we see in the show, there are some friends of theirs who are married, but attend sex parties sometimes to kind of Mm -hmm. spice things up. And so there Mm -hmm. are all different, I think, limits that people can discover in terms of how far their sexual exploration goes. Well, I've been with my husband now for about eight years and, you know, I feel like I won the lottery. It's like, I definitely (laughs) think that you can have both in one person. You just have to be mindful of what needs to happen in order to get there and not settle and not subscribe to the idea that it's one or the other. So yes, I think you can have both. And and that's what I do a lot of my research and writing and treating. I'm in a relationship where I feel I have both. You know, a lot of sexual satisfaction and relationship satisfaction is your responsibility. It's easy way out to blame your partner. She doesn't want to have sex or he doesn't want to have sex. They are not giving me attention. While all of these things can be valid and true for your reality and experience, but I feel like a lot of it is you and your communication with them. This is why my therapy slogan is cultivate passion. It has Mm -hmm. to be cultivated. The idea that it should just happen automatically or quote unquote naturally. And if it doesn't happen in those ways, then all is lost, I think is a total myth. It is something that two people or, or more, whatever your relationship structure is, have to be very cognizant and work really hard to maintain, but it is possible just like anything else that is important. So in the show, Billy and Cooper at the beginning had a very dry sex life and Cooper was depicted like tired a lot of times. Mm -hmm. I just went to work. I just came back. I want to watch TV. I'm tired. While, you know, she gets in like lingerie, try to like get her sexy on and he kind of ignores her. Would you say that that's like the opposite of cultivating passion? Totally. And I mean, he admits that at one point in the show, he says just between the kids and work, he has a commute, like he just sort of felt like this is a season in life that sex wasn't going to take the main stage. And Mm -hmm. she felt differently about that. And fortunately for them, that opened the door to some conversation. But yes, I think both people, one can get very complacent. For my listeners that are listening and that are like, oh my God, my partner is exactly like that, whether or not it's the husband or wife. What would be your advice for them? What's the first step? Get enough sleep. (laughs) Because, (laughs) you know, I always come back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If some of those really fundamental basic needs aren't met, it is hard to get in touch with your sexuality and desire. A lot of times people put sex at the bottom of the pyramid along with sleep, food, and water, but it actually doesn't belong there Mm because no one ever died because they didn't have sex. It might Mm -hmm. feel like you're going to die, but (laughs) I promise you, you won't. Especially for couples who are in that season of life when you've got little kids, you're both working or whatever is contributing to you feeling kind of tapped out, that's when you have to set aside some time and think about what conditions or other needs need to be met so that you can reinvigorate yourself and rediscover your sexuality mutually with your partner. Mm -hmm. Making a decision jointly to prioritize it and being very intentional about that. Planning sex. And Mm -hmm. a lot of couples hate it when I talk about planning sex, but I always tell them 
we plan just about everything else in our life. But again, we subscribe to this idea that it doesn't happen spontaneously. It's not good. And the research doesn't reflect that. The research, when we look at couples who sustain really high levels of sexual satisfaction over the course of long-term relationships, almost all of them say that some of the best sex they have is sex that they planned for. When you shift the way you think about planning sex, it can really change the way that you feel about it. I prefer the word plan over schedule because I kind of feel like you plan a picnic, but you like schedule a colonoscopy. Like, <laughs> just, like I don't like the word schedule as much. Uh -huh. Plan to me evokes feelings of something I'm excited about, mm -hmm. something that I'm anticipating. Think of your plan as fallback plan or a plan uh -huh. B and not necessarily a plan A. Because a lot of times people think, okay, if we're planning sex, I'm just going to wait around for that date and right. time. And they shut themselves off from even being open to the idea of some spontaneous encounter in the meantime. Mm -hmm. And lastly, I always remind people that when you were dating, you were planning it. You just didn't call it that. But right. you know, everyone like, I'll come over to your place this night. Exactly. That was planned sex. There are some times in life, particularly when it's really busy, that the only way it's going to happen and the only way it's going to happen and be good is if you carve out the time for it mm -hmm. and know that that's okay. Cooper and Billy, their first mistake was lack of sexual communication. Like they didn't talk about sex and they never had a conversation about their sexual desires and needs. Another mistake is they didn't plan. I like plan better. Good correction, like right? plan a vacation. Right. Yeah. They didn't plan sex, which mm -hmm. they should have because then Cooper wouldn't be watching sports. He would be trying to get it on with his wife. Exactly. What's the third mistake? You know, for people who haven't seen the show, he finds her journal and he is like, who the hell are you? I mean, he <laughs> right. had no idea that she had a past in which she was so sexually active or liberated. While I do not think that people need to or should tell their current partners like details about their past mm -hmm. lovers necessarily, I do think it's a good idea when you're entering into a relationship, especially if you're thinking of making a long-term commitment, that you explore and talk about some of the things that you think are important to you sexually, mm -hmm. what your preferences are, what your sexual values are. Sex is a really important part of most relationships. And so if mm -hmm. you're misaligned or incompatible in that department, it can create bigger relationship issues. That was one of the biggest mistakes that they made. With my current husband, when we started dating, the first thing we did was talking about sex. How do we feel about it? How important is it for us? What kind of sex do we like? What was sex life like before we totally. met each other? And I was the person that probed him because obviously he had no idea. But after my personal experience, as well as reading all this research that tells you you should be having a conversation, I'm like, I'm not going to commit the same mistake again. So I'm going to ask you all these questions. And he loved it. We made it like such a routine where he will like cook me dinner and I will ask him all kinds of questions. Love it. He will also like ask me back. So it's a conversation about sex and it becomes such a big part of our relationship. I remember like one of the first things I told him is I'm very sexually active. I have a, a pretty vast like sexual horizon and like variety that I like and the things that perhaps he has never experienced, but I want to continue to explore. Like, of course, we can pause and we can have our monogamy time where it's just the two of us, where we're really building a solid foundation because I do believe it takes me a lot of time to build a solid foundation. However, I did tell him after a while, when we feel comfortable, I want to explore other people 
to answer your question about what other mistakes they made, I think that leads us to like the third biggest mistake they made, which was not talking at all about mm. boundaries and limitations when they went to that sex party. Holy <laughs> shit. That was and so bad. I was like, was oh my painful. God, you're going to let your friend take you to a secret sex party and you never had a conversation prior. You walked in and then you just started to explore. Exactly. Like, that's and not how it works. No. And not only that, they were at a really weak point in their relationship. I mean, there were so many things that went wrong leading up to that horrible experience that they had. And I'm not surprised that the scene ended the way that it did. So yeah, I mean, communication is super important. And setting boundaries, like the green light, yellow light, red light, before you go to a sex party or a swingers party or any kind of sensual party, just so you're on the same page. My partner and I talk about like, what's green light? Oh, talking to other people flirting with them yellow light touching them yellow light is like ask me first get a signal that it's okay first and then red light is like absolutely not at not at this party they should have had this green yellow red light conversation before they went to that sex party and then she was forced to watch another spoiler alert him getting a blowjob from one of her quote-unquote good friends yeah in the suburbs That was painful to watch. And what made it so painful is that they were in such a low, dark, confusing place in their own relationship that you can feel that it was just totally overwhelming for Mm -hmm. both of them. And so I think that's another misconception people have is the answer to your relationship problems or your sex problems is maybe just to open things up. And that is not the way you want to handle it. It's so important to do whatever you need to do to get your primary relationship in a stable place to your point, like create a solid foundation. And that can take time before you start exploring. You can think of it as the seatbelt before you go on a roller coaster. Like you got to make sure you're strapped in or else you're not going to be able to let go and enjoy the ride. The couple in Texas that owns a swingers club that said swinging is not going to fix a shitty relationship. It's actually only for people who have a solid on the same page relationship and want to explore together. Yes. It's not like, oh my God, our relationship is such a bad place. Let's swing. Cannot think about it. That's terrible. That's terrible. Yeah. It's Um, a recipe for disaster. So if you're walking on eggshells, if there's a lot of conflict, if there's a lot of bad feelings, if there's a lot of tension, don't try to have group sex, go to a sex party, swingers club, or whatever in that sense, because you are not ready. Absolutely Mm -mm. not. Anyone listening, take notes. (laughs) What about Brad and like, you know, (laughs) how hot he is and (laughs) how much he has grown as a person? Do you feel like people come into your life in a wrong time, but then they do come back to you when it's the right time? I do think that can happen. I think sometimes love isn't enough. Sometimes it's a timing issue. Sometimes it's a circumstance issue that can cause a relationship not to work out. Now, what this series did was play into women's fantasy that the bad boy is going to change his ways. And so we see Brad heal his childhood wounds and go visit his dying father and turn around, allegedly. People have to be cautious in thinking that that fantasy is going to come true for them. It can. People can, you know, heal their wounds and their attachment issues and learn to be better partners. I mean, I'm a therapist. I help people with that every single day, but it's not always as simple as we see it depicted in the series. Some people feel they have settled 
in their current long-term relationship and that they have a great companion that they absolutely love, that they're not in love with, and that there is an authentic chemistry, connection, passion. So in this case, can we rebuild connection and grow or should we realize that this is not for us and leave? When couples turn towards each other and they say, you know what, this part of our relationship is missing or it's lost. What do we need to do as a couple to rediscover it that they can rediscover it? I help couples with that all the time. And I would say that makes up the majority of my clientele are couples who have just lost that kind of erotic spark, that chemistry, the romantic connection. If it was never there to begin with, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily something I can help you create out of thin air, but I can work with you to bring it back. And I saw this too with a lot of my research participants who I interviewed who were maintaining high levels of sexual satisfaction. A lot of them said there were dry spells in their relationship. Mm-hmm. There were periods where they felt really disconnected. Most of them said that was when they had little kids. I mean, that's just a really tough time for couples. And so I think that's normal. But when there is a mutual commitment, and when both people do the work that needs to happen to rediscover each other, I definitely think it's possible. I've also worked with some couples where one person is gung ho about doing that, and the other person could not care less. Those are really tough cases, because the person ends up finding themselves in a position where they kind of have to make a choice. Do they Mm -hmm. live the rest of their lives without that part of their identity or do they leave their family so that they can experience that again? And that's not an easy decision for a lot of people. No, it's really tough. You're right. And there's a lot of nuances too, right? There's like Mm -hmm. finances, assets, children. Mm -hmm. If there's no kids, I feel like it's a lot easier. Definitely. (laughs) Bouncing off of that. The big question is, sexual chemistry, is it like you either have it or you don't from the beginning? Or is it something that if you didn't have it at the beginning, you can still build it? Kind of yes and no. I definitely think couples can work to be more sexually connected and compatible. And that can be a really fun process of discovery. That kind of spark, that je ne sais quoi that people experience, especially in the beginning of a relationship, I don't know that that can necessarily be created out of thin air. I think Mm -hmm. there is something deeper going on. My personal belief is you either have it or you don't. I know a lot of professionals that disagree. I can see their point. We have seen many examples or if they were like, I'm the example where we were just friends for a few years and then, you know, we grow this companionship, which is very beautiful. Perhaps their relationship goals are different. One of the things that's very important to me is me and my partner growing together sexually through everything else, through kids, through becoming, that's one of my values and goals. To me, not having sexual chemistry and trying to build it in the span of years doesn't sound like a good life. Yeah, kind of an uphill battle, I think. Yeah, it's like, oh, I have to be with this person, have mediocre sex for five years, and then maybe or maybe not, we'll find a chemistry for each other versus, oh, wow, I have chemistry with this person, and I'm going to build a solid relationship on the other aspects. My personal opinion is you either have it or you don't. I think it's important to talk about kind of the honeymoon period sex and the sex that comes later, because I think a lot of people initially feel like when 
the feelings start to subside that you have in the honeymoon period Mm -hmm. that the chemistry is lost or the intensity is gone. And what I want everyone listening to hear is that is not necessarily true at all. All of the people who I interviewed who sustained high levels of sexual satisfaction, again, over the course of long-term relationships, many of them in monogamous relationships, talked about the sex that they had later on in their relationship as being the best. Mm. And I think that's because there's such a deeper level of emotional intimacy that comes with time that you just don't have in Mm. the crazy, exciting times of the honeymoon period. And that can be a lot of fun and it can feel super effortless, but it's so driven by neurochemicals. Like there's mm-hmm. literally so much dopamine surging yeah. through your brain. It's You're like drunk. a high on cocaine. Yeah. I You're mean, drunk in love. Like Beyonce said. Yeah, precisely. Whereas the sex you have later on when you have built a life together or mm-hmm. created children together or gone through some ups and downs together, that can feel so intense and passionate. You know, I think when we're talking about chemistry, I don't want people to think about honeymoon period sex. Mm-hmm. We're talking more about kind of not just compatibility, but just the erotic charge that you feel with yeah. your partner. Now that I think about my relationship and like the honeymoon phase and now um, that erotic charge is the same, but it's exhibited differently. Back then when we weren't so busy, we were, you know, having sex like three times a day or now we're busy, but we still talk about sex and there's still a lot of erotic charge. I still look at him and I'm I'm just obsessed. I'm like, oh, you're so hot. Yeah. And we have sex, you know, depending on the week, like sometimes three, four times a week, sometimes once a week. It just depends. It's not the way that it was. However, that erotic charge is the same. I love this word so much, Emily, erotic charge. Oh, thanks. Yeah. It's what I experience. It's how I feel. And And I love the way you said it, that it's the erotic charge is still there. It's just exhibited differently. I think that's exactly what we're trying to articulate here. In a room full of people, this is still the person I want to fuck the most. (laughs) Yeah, that warmth. You mentioned a little bit about compatibility and incompatibility. And I think that a lot of my followers and listeners really want to know from a professional, like, what are some early signs of incompatibility? When there's really stark differences in how frequently you want sex, how high of a value you place on sex in your relationship. Some people, it's really important to have a strong sexual connection. Other people, it's like the last thing on their list. It's Mm -hmm. more important for them to connect around other values. Also in terms of preferences, the degree to which you want to explore. Are you someone who is fine having sex the same way most times? Or are you someone who wants to kind of have a wider horizon? I think when there are differences in any of those domains, pay attention to the red flag. How much you value sex in a relationship Mm -hmm. and then variety, Mm -hmm. either now or in the future. So if we were to like rate it from one to 10, I asked my partner, how important is sex and sexual connection in a long-term relationship for you? You don't want a huge discrepancy. If I was like nine and my partner is like two, numerical incompatibility. (laughs) Exactly. And I think that's kind of what we see with Billy and Cooper. She clearly wanted to make sure that sex was maintained in her relationship, but he just didn't see it that way. He was like, working kids is my life right right now. And so that's, I think, contributed to a lot of their issues. 
And also variety. And variety, yeah. Yeah. So if we were like, okay, how sexually adventurous are you? Or do you think you want to be in the future from one to 10? And again, if you're with someone who's like, ooh, I'm going to say eight. And you're like, oh no, I just want to have sex just with you. Just missionary, which is nothing wrong at all. Like, nothing you know, wrong. I never shame yeah. people on that because one of the best orgasms that I get is through missionary sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's a problem. Right. Yeah, if you were, exactly. if you rate yourself a one and your partner rate themselves an eight or nine, because that, mm-hmm. again, that discrepancy is obvious incompatibility. We know that sexual satisfaction and relationship satisfaction go hand in hand big mm-hmm. time. So much so that sexual satisfaction can predict relationship satisfaction more strongly mm-hmm. than the reverse. In most couples, it's important. And if you're not connecting sexually, it can create problems in other areas of your relationship. Even if you're listening and you've been married 15 years, it's never too late to ask those questions and creatively find solutions together, even if that solution is divorce. People think I'm in the business of keeping people together. And if that's what they want, obviously I'm all for it. But Mm -hmm. sometimes it's helping people figure out that maybe they're not the best partner for one another. And that's okay too. Conscious decoupling. Exactly. I wasn't going to say it. (laughs) In this show, it ends with Billy at her daughter's recital. Yeah. Yeah. And then realizing oh shit, it is not enough for me. The show ended with her going to see Brad, her steamy ex-boyfriend, and the elevator opens and then the show ended. Cooper, her husband, is tracking Uh her. So he knows that Mm -hmm. she's going downtown to see him. Well, he's also been playing emotionally with Francesca, his boss. Yes, we can't forget that. Right. There's a lot of sexual energy too between him Mm -hmm. and Francesca, his boss. So what do you think is going to happen? I think we could see them start to explore non-monogamy and maybe having an open relationship. I was thinking about it the other day because I just rewatched some of the episodes from season one, including the finale. And, you know, we saw the whole sex party thing did not work out for them. And so I think that this season might be an exploration and some of the nuances of non-monogamy and the different directions that can go for couples. What do you think? I saw the premiere, so I saw episode one. It's an interesting exploration of different things that can happen once you realize you're perhaps not sexually compatible. They flashed back to when she and Cooper first met and they showed that there was a period of time in their relationship that they were more into each other sexually. So I don't know that they've always been sexually incompatible. I think he just got very complacent, also didn't know that she had this side of her and if you haven't seen season one you can binge it right now yeah between (laughs) now and then (laughs) season two uh what are some of the things that you want to leave my audience with in terms of this conversation that we had about stability versus passion It is so possible to sustain passion in long-term relationship. And the research reflects that. We're gathering even more evidence to show specifically how couples are doing that. So there's a lot of new research in that area of sexuality, finally, because so much of the research historically has been on like dysfunction. But I think we're past that. Like we want to know how to really maintain the passion. How do we have the Hollywood style sex in our own relationships? (laughs) It's definitely possible. And I think the broader message that I want want people to take away from this is never 
disconnect from your own sexuality. Your sexuality is such an intrinsic part of your own individuality. And when you disconnect from that part of yourself, you're losing a little bit of your full potential and humanness and sense of wonder and curiosity and sensuality and all of those things. I would encourage anyone listening not to settle for anything that leaves them alone in that department. So well said. <laughs> to me, I feel there was a point in time in my life where I wasn't taking care of her. Her is my sexuality. Yeah. And it felt very dry. Like my life felt very dry, black and white almost. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize then that she needed attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good sex gives your life some luster and sparkle and sense of invigoration. <laughs> it spills over. I mean, you can tell when someone's having good sex, they're glowing. <laughs> okay, people do ask me like, what's your skincare routine? And I said, orgasms. Easy. That's my skincare <laughs> yeah. routine. The last part of my show is called 10 Quickies with Dr. Tara. So it's a quick game where I give you a word and you give me a word or sentence back. Okay. Are you ready? I think so. Dr. Let's Emily, let's do it. Number one. Love at first sight. False. <laughs> Number Quick. two, educational porn. Yes. Number three, self-doubt. Normal. Number four, polyamory. For people who want to explore that, go for it. It can be great. Number five, sexual self-esteem. So important. Don't live without that. Number six, what's your favorite chakra? Oh, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay okay let's skip that one let's skip that one <laughs> number seven sex drive or sexual desire desire number eight hot monogamy yes totally number nine sexual meditation that sounds great do it number 10 golden showers no thanks <laughs> <laughs> awesome where can my love bites fam find you you can visit my website, which is emilyjamia.com. I'm across all the social media channels at Dr. Emily Jamia. That's Dr. Emily Jamia. And you can also check out my podcast, The Love and Libido Podcast, available anywhere podcasts are streamed. I love her work. So definitely give her a follow and listen to her podcast. I was on one of the episodes. Definitely check that out. Other than that, my Love Bites fam, thank you so much for listening till the end of the episode. That means a lot to me. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, definitely email me or DM me. Other than that, have an orgasmic day. I'm all about being sexual and in the moment. This is why I orgasmically recommend the Pulse Warming System. Pulse dispenses warm lube with just a swipe of your hand so you can get right back to action, which my partner and I really love. So toss that sticky lube bottle and get the Pulse Warming System today. Check out the link and discount code in this episode's description and have an orgasmic play. Thanks for listening. This was, this was Love Bites. By Dr. Tara. Follow Dr. Tara on social media at lovebites.co. Have an orgasmic day.